Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hey guys, and also gals, welcome back to another episode of the Read Option Podcast. I am your host, Jordan Reed, and as always, I am joined alongside Brentley Wiseman. Just like every Friday episode, we are happy to be back. I know we had a little bit of hiatus, which was my fault. I will take the blame for that, but we are officially back after experiencing some technical difficulties, but that doesn't really matter. We are back. And what else is also back? College football is back. It's so happy to see just guys running around, stadiums full. We got a great game last night in Ohio State and Minnesota. Uh, as of recording of this podcast, Ohio State was up 45-31 with about three minutes left in the game. So it looks like after the Buckeyes had a little bit of an early scare there, Minnesota really gave their best effort. But the talent just eventually took over and yeah. the guys ended up coming out with the win. But Brindley, how's everything going with you, man? Uh, everything's good. I mean, what a game. I, I really didn't think Minnesota would be able to hang his round as long as they did, but props to PJ Fleck, man. He had his kids ready to play. I thought Tanner Morgan actually showed me some stuff. I don't think he's a scrub by any means. I, I, I thought he was able to hang in the pocket and make some good throws. I was impressed by him a little bit. Um, obviously, we should be able to point out about Mo Abraham, uh, Ibrahim, excuse me. Uh, by the way, Gus Johnson, man, he can say that name. Gosh, I can listen to him t- talk about Mo yeah. Ibrahim all day. But um, really, really, really hoping it's not as bad as it looked, as bad as what Twitter is saying it is. Uh, I mean, a prayer to 24, come back through your senior year. The last thing we want to see is a potential season ending injury in week one. Really hope he can come back healthy, man. That's a huge bummer to what was an amazing night of football. Um, just prospects were on display. I thought there, Munford looked really good playing left guard for Ohio State. Yeah. Um, there, there was Nat Haskell Garrett made a few plays. Zach Harrison made a few plays. The receivers showed out tonight. Alave and Wilson. A little stressed about my Oregon Ducks matchup next week. We'll get into that for sure next week, but the boy is a little stressed. I'm not going to lie here. Yeah. Yeah. CJ Stroud, he, he struggled a little bit early yeah, on, he but did. he seemed to settle in and, yeah. you know, just get the ball to your playmakers, man. He found Gary Wilson. He found Chris Olave as well. And that's the thing. Like, they have so many weapons. I know they have the young running back, Henderson, as well, that just exploded on that screen up the middle. Like, that was just ridiculous. Him showing off his speed to be a true freshman and to make a big play like that, that was really impressive. I thought Daniel Falele, the big tackle from Minnesota, was really impressive as well. I know Zach Harrison was able to create some pressure, but it mainly came off of the opposite edge that he was on. So was really looking forward to seeing how he played. I know I I highlighted him on Twitter a little bit just because he was a player that a lot of scouts are really intrigued by, especially we didn't get to see him at all last year with him opting out because of COVID. And then there was a lot of stuff going on with the background with him with some injury stuff as well. So happy to see him back and healthy and looked much better in shape. I know he's hovering around 375 pounds right now, which is massive for an offensive tackle, a verified 6082 as well. So we're talking about a big time offensive tackle prospect. And I thought 
this was one of the games that a lot of people were going to pop in for him just because Ohio State is so talented off of the edge. And, you know, with those offensive tackles or any prospect in general, you always want to put on their best tape first just because you want to see how they respond to the competition. I thought Father Lele was really impressive. And then the other player that I was just blown away by was Chris Olave. Like he just plays at a different speed than everybody else. And that's the first word that's going to pop up whenever somebody talks about Olave is just – how everything is just so natural for him. And then when he made those two touchdown plays, like the game looks so slow for him. And there was a reason he was getting first round buzz last year. And I think he probably would have ended up being a first round pick alongside some of the other players that we saw in that talented wide receiver group from a year ago going the first round. So we're talking about a first round pick that's still out there playing with college players right now. And I thought Olave definitely looked the part. Yeah, I think you said it right. Like, it looks like he's moving in slow motion with the guys, everyone, everyone else around him, like the way he can just easily navigate uh, being in traffic. Um, his footwork is outstanding up the sideline. It's just, it, everything is so easy and natural for this kid. I really do see the comparison to Devontae Smith. I think he's actually faster straight line than Devontae Smith. Maybe not as good as ball skills than Devontae, but just in terms of the, the silkiness, the smoothness, the, the comfort, the, 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 how it's easy for them, just the way they play. I think it's really uh, – I see a lot of similarities there. So my comparison for Alave was that he's what everybody wanted Will Fuller to be mm-hmm. as far as consistency. I think he's a much more natural catcher of the football than Will Fuller, but just talking about the game-breaking speed, the easy speed down the field, I think he's more polished of a route runner and not as much of a one-trick pony as Will Fuller was. But – just talking about the different dynamic that he can bring to the table. And we saw that on display tonight, like he had like what a 65 yard touchdown. And then the other one <laughs> was a pretty long distance as well. So we're talking about a definite home run hitter, but that's just not the only thing that it brings to the table. He can bring you explosive plays, even if they don't end up in touchdowns, but just the easy speed that he has, he can press the gas and go. And there's not a lot of DBs whenever he gets going in a straight line that can run with him. Yeah, no, he. I thought he was outstanding tonight. So, very, uh, very good uh, opening game for Olave. Yeah, I know that had you sweating bullets watching that offense. <laughs> I, will, I, I, I will say their run defense, I think, can be explo- exploited. Yeah, I, I don't no, think they're very good up the middle of their defense. And so, if I'm Cristobal, I'm running Verdell up the gut 30 times next week. Just 30 times, run up the gut. Then I got to pray my linebackers show up between Justin Flo and, and, and Noah Sewell, baby Sewell, because that running back 28 they got, they got, geez, Louise. He yeah. looks like a guy. Like, I, I I don't know who he is. I know nothing about him. I don't, never heard of him before. But he's, he's big. Yes. He oh, he's true freshman? Okay, well, no, no, no. I'm thinking about the wrong guy. I'm thinking about Anderson. Oh, Sorry. I was going to say, well, he, he looked good too. Geez, he looked, yeah, he he looked good. Yeah. But um, Williams, I mean, he's big. He has feet. He has vision. I mean, I was super impressed with that kid. So uh, he's definitely, if he's eligible, he's definitely should be on the radar. Absolutely. We are getting a little bit ahead of ourselves, though, talking about week two matchups. We are going to discuss some week one matchups later on in the second segment of the pod. So just to give you guys a show rundown, we're going to talk about Cam Newton and the big news that happened with him and Mac Jones winning the QB one spot in New England. And then the other three games that we will touch on in today's show is Alabama versus Miami. Clemson versus Georgia, and then LSU 
versus UCLA, their first time ever making the trip out to Cali. So Cam Newton, man, that was the big news of the week. It sent Twitter in an uproar, and a lot of people were not expecting that at all. Mac Jones wins the QB1 spot officially. So when you first read the tweet, Mac Jones is named the starter. And then also Cam Newton was cut. I think that was the most surprising part of Schefter's tweet. What was your initial reaction? My initial reaction was, um, you know, just just being kind of bummed out for Cam. Um, you know, I really wanted him to try to get a second shot. You know, obviously last year he dealt with COVID and he just never really could bounce back from that. And I think I said this on a couple of few podcasts ago, I just feel like, you know, people root against Cam and I was really hoping he could kind of prove these, these doubters wrong. And, and honestly, um, you know, him getting released to me is not an indictment to Cam. Um, if when you watch the two in the preseason, I could make the argument that really I thought Cam was probably a little bit better than Mac, yeah. but I do think that it was very, very close. I'm, I mean, and, and I'm of the mindset and, and where I come, look how I believe is, if it is remotely close, you can always go with the young guy. You want to—he's on the rookie deal. You want to get maximum use out of his his, his uh, young years when he's not getting paid a lot. You want the team to start build, getting getting confidence in him because he's going to be the ultimate quarterback of the future. So, if it's like I said, if it's close, you go with the young guy. So I have no issue with Mac winning the job. And then in terms of Cam getting cut, I. It sucks for Cam and it sucks from someone like me who's a Cam supporter, but I kind of see what Bill's what Belichick's doing. Like I, I I think I was reading this on Twitter and it really makes sense to me is if you want Mac Jones to be the guy and have the locker room, it's tough to have someone like Cam who is so well liked in the league, is so well respected in the league, has been a future MVP. You can't really have that guy in your locker room as a backup. Right, and so so that's just, that would that would just be tough, you know, for, to have a rookie quarterback having that guy at that presence like Cam in the locker room as a backup, and then do you, does Cam even want to be a backup? But like, I mean, like honestly, like yeah, would Cam would Cam be okay just being a backup to Mac Jones? I mean, if I'm Cam, heck no, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be down for that. Right. I'm ha- I, I think Bill Belichick. I think he really really respects Cam. I think he did Cam a favor releasing him, letting him hit the open market, take his time, be patient, wait for an injury, which unfortunately in our league, we know is going to happen. We know a quarterback's going to go down midseason. And, and then and then Cam can be ready in shape and ready to get the call to have an opportunity to start. Um, so I think ultimately it probably worked out, for both, worked out best for both parties, but can't can't say I'm not disappointed for Cam. Yeah, and I was really surprised that they released him. But after I thought about it, I think it made complete sense just because and I tweeted about this. Cam is so used to being on the mountaintop this his entire career. Number one player in the country coming out of high school. He was supposed to be that guy at Florida. Then he had the off the field hiccup and then whatever happened there when he was there, he transfers to Auburn. I mean, we know how good of a career he had when during his one year there. And then Carolina, he's the number one pick. He's on top of the world. So I just think it's too tough of a pill to swallow for him right now to accept the backup role. 
And we know Cam has a huge, huge personality. And I think you're spot on as far as him being a backup. I just think it's just too big of a personality to have behind somebody like Mac Jones, just because I don't want to necessarily call it a cloud. I think I don't think Cam Newton's a cloud, but it's just the big locker room presence that he is. I just think it's too much to have behind a quarterback, especially a rookie quarterback. So, I mean, I understand why they ended up releasing him. But I said this when the Patriots spent a whole bunch of money this offseason, they wanted to drop a cheap quarterback into that situation. And we all said it pre-draft. Mac Jones made the most sense for the Patriots. It was one of his best fits just because that's the type of quarterback that Josh McDaniels and Bill Belichick have won with in the past. And you have to design a different type of game plan for Cam Newton just because you have to use his legs. You have to involve him in the quarterback run game. And if you think about it, Belichick has never had a quarterback like that. Even Jacoby Brissett wasn't that type of quarterback. He's not a super mobile guy like a Cam Newton. So Cam was way off the grid as far as the type of quarterback that they have won with in years past. So, like I said, I said it when they spent all that money in the offseason, they were preparing themselves to drop a rookie or young quarterback into this situation just because Bill Belichick is seen around the division. I mean, he's seeing guys like Josh Allen. Uh, the the Dolphins are building something special as long as they get the quarterback decision right. And then some of the other teams in the AFC, he's gearing up with some of these free agents. He wants to get back to playing the Patriot type of football. You sign Jonu Smith, you sign Hunter Henry to get that two tight end offense that he had a, had a lot of success with when they had Gronkowski and Hernandez. And then he just wants to do things his way. So, I mean, he just wants to get back to the type of personnel that he's accustomed to with winning. So I think it makes total sense. Now, with the way that Mac Jones has looked in the preseason, I think that hurt Cam a whole bunch as well, just because all Mac had to do is go out there and show that he can run the show and keep things afloat. And not only did he keep things afloat, he was really impressive as well. So, I mean, it makes total sense to me. Now, the next stop for Cam Newton, (laughs) I have no idea. Yeah, And I said this is very similar. And I know it's a different sport. It's very similar to the situation that Carmelo Anthony found himself yep. in about three or four years ago before he accepted coming off of the bench. If Cam Newton wants to extend his career four or five plus more years, he has to accept and swallow his pride to be a, a backup quarterback. If not, he's going to be a free agent. He's going to have to end up retiring either this year or next year. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, I just think about like I just, I just can't envision Cam being a backup, and so I think I mean, and this is this is really painful for me to say, but I think his career could be over unless like we see a you know a, a random injury where the team is thinks they can be compete. Like I think it seems like the Tennessee Titans. Like I'm and I'm not trying to put ill will to Ryan Tannehill into the ether, but like if he were to go down, like a team in that situation, it would make sense for them to call Cam. Like, you know, because like they have playoff aspirations. They're not going to just roll with Logan Woodside or whatever the heck their backup is. Um, I would call Cam. And so unless a situation like that occurs, which honestly chances are probably would. I I mean, in, in this league, quarterbacks get hurt. But if it doesn't, like, I don't see him signing anywhere this year. And I, if he doesn't sign anywhere this year, with all the young guys coming up and, and the young guy and Garoppolo and Watson going to be available potentially, like, yeah, I, I think it's musical chairs and, and Cam's going to be left standing. I think I think he'll be, be done. Yeah, I was, 
it, I, I hated to see Ron Rivera come out and said he he's not interested in Cam. Yeah. Because I think that was one spot of where he could end up landing. And I think the whole vaccination thing and, you know, him being unvaccinated and Ron with his self situation, I just think it's too much of a risk to bring him in with that situation. And, I mean, we could go on and on and back and forth about the whole vaccination thing if he was vaccinated, if Ron would bring him in. I think he would if he was vaccinated. I just think with him in this situation of what's going on right now, and then we know what the whole COVID thing and the starting quarterbacks that's going on around the league, the ones that are vaccinated, that aren't vaccinated, and then Coach Rivera's situation, I just think it's just too much of a risk to bring him in right now with this current situation. But Washington was one spot that I had circled for him, and Indianapolis was the other one. But now with Carson Wentz being back, them having faith, it seems like, and Jacob Beeson as the backup quarterback there, I just don't know. The options are dwindling for him right now. Yeah. Now, if he accepts being a backup, I would have said Dallas, but you know they just put in a claim for Will Greer. They just got him, um, and then there's some other guys that they have in Dallas that they like as well. So the options are slim right now. He has to hope for an injury, um, but yeah, I'm right there with you. I just don't see a clear path to him ever being a starter again, but as far as a backup, Cam just has to swallow his pride and hopefully uh, he can he can hang on as a backup somewhere. I think if he is able to accept being a backup somewhere, he can extend his career uh, five plus years, in my opinion. But it's just tough, man, being on the mountaintop your entire career and then going to being a backup. I just don't know if I ever see Cam doing that. But if he does, I think he can extend his career five years. So before we move on, I want to remind you guys, it's that time of the year again, and all eyes are now turning to football as teams are back on the gridiron to start the football season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all of the pro and college football action this season. Get all the updated odds, props, and contests, including online's biggest half-million-dollar NFL mega contest, the world's largest $200,000 NFL survivor contest, open now at Bet Online. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. Take advantage of their opening day, Super Promo. Make a bet on the Thursday, September 9th season opener between the Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Dallas Cowboys. And if you lose, your wager will be refunded. Up to $25 for new customers only when signing up and using promo code NFL100. Again, that's using promo code NFL100. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all of your favorite sports. Bet online, your online sports book experts. So let's go ahead and get into some of these week one matchups. And there is a ton of intriguing ones. We already saw a great game last night in Ohio State and Minnesota. The Buckeyes got a bit of a scare there with a 45 to 31 victory. They exit out of there with the victory. We've already touched on that, but Let's talk about one of the other big games of the evening, and it's Alabama and Miami. And this is one of the few matchups between uh, two top 15 ranked teams. Alabama comes in as the number one team in the country, and, and Miami enters as the number 14 ranked team in the country. And we're going to talk about some prospects that we are going to be having our eyes on. So I'll just go first. And the biggest one for me is Zion Nelson. Like, I mean, Todd McShay had him top five in his mock draft when he released it right after the 2021 NFL draft. There's a lot of mixed opinions between the scouting staff with us. He's just super raw right now, but you see the athleticism. I think we came away with a second round grade on him entering the year, but there's a lot of mixed opinions about him. You love the size, you love the intrigue and just the athleticism with him. 
but he's just really, really rough around the edges. And what better test for him right away week one going against that very talented Alabama defensive front going against Will Anderson on one side and then um, and then some of the other pass rushers that they do have as well. We know they're going to have some young guys. Nick Saban always has some four or five stars up his sleeve that he can throw as a wrench against Zion Nelson. So Zion Nelson is the guy that is the top at the top of my list. I want to see if he has gotten stronger, like reports say. We know the athleticism is going to be there with him, but I just think just the hand techniques with him, the footwork, and then things like that, those were some of the things that I want to see if he improves upon. So Zion Nelson, just what were your overall thoughts about him? And then just give your opinion on one or two prospects that you'll be looking for in this Alabama and Miami matchup. Yeah, I saw Zion uh, very similar to you, just raw in his technique, but you love the athleticism. You love the movement skills. Um, I think he has high upside and, and, you know, he'll need, he'll need a strong showing. You know, this is, like you said, this will be the tape that scouts are going to pop in first. You know, that's, that's what I always used to do. When teams play Alabama, like I'm going to watch Alabama game. Like it's Absolutely. that simple. Um, so then he'll have to play well um, for, you know, in this game to really help his stock. Um, a couple guys who I have circled for, for this game in particular is uh, my guy, uh, Cameron Harris, the running back. I'm telling you, like, this is my dude. Um, yeah. I think he's really, really talented. <laughs> Um, I really want him to have a good game in week one so he can kind of solidify, you know, his spot as the number one back because apparently that a really young guy who's also talented and I think his name's Don Chaney. But um, so I'll be curious to watch how he plays Cameron Harris, our running back from Miami. And then on the opposite side of the ball, so kind of like a matchup, will be Alabama's linebacker Christian Harris, who I really like after – shout out to you. You're the one who you did him and you told me – you kind of told us about him and got, got him on our radar – Really rangy, really athletic, uh, weak side linebacker. Not the best take on, you know, taking on blocks, stuff like that. But I think I love his, his ability to sideline the sideline. Love him playing in space. Um, so I think that's a good little match between Cameron Harris, who has some size and some power, uh, against Christian Harris, linebacker from Alabama. So I will say this about Christian Harris. I think he's going to have a much better year than he did last year. He was really impressive last year, and I'll tell you why. Dylan Moses, his biggest weakness was reading plays in the box as far as reading his keys, diagnosing and attacking consistently downhill. His read keys were just a mess from time to time just because he was really uncomfortable at Mike. So remember this name, Henry Tooto. I think he's going to help Christian Harris so much just because the one thing that stands out the most about Tooto was just how smart he is. And we know with them coming from Tennessee, he played in a very similar defense with Jeremy Pruitt as he he did, um, as he's going to at Alabama, excuse me. So I think with him being a coach Pruitt's defense, I think it's going to be an easy transition for him coming over from Tennessee to Alabama. And Toto is very athletic. And then he's that traditional Mike linebacker that you can just plug and play in the middle of your defense. And with him being so consistent in the middle, it's going to allow Christian Harris to roam even more now as that true wheel. So you can blitz him off the edge. You can use him in coverage. You can get creative with him. So I think Christian Harris is going to have a huge, huge year this year, but it's going to be a huge assist because of Toho Toho. So he's another name that I had written down. I want to see how he plays in this Alabama defense. And I know he was already proven. He had a great year last year when he was at Tennessee, but it's a little bit different when you go to Alabama. There's going to be a little bit more eyes on you, even though he was still in the SEC at Tennessee. It's a little bit different being in the middle 
of that Alabama offense. So remember the name, Henry Toa. And then on the other team, Bubba Bolden is one that yeah. I have a red dot beside just because he started the year off so good. But then the game against North Carolina happened where Javante Williams and Michael Carter just ran through them for over 500 yards. And Bubba Bolden was right in the middle of that. And, you know, his stock was really high through about the first three or four weeks of the season. And then it just dwindled after that. So two names I have down Henry told, so definitely Bubba Bolden. Did you have any more guys to add? Yeah, I mean, there's a couple from Alabama um, coming to mind. Obviously, Evan Neal making the switch from right tackle to left tackle. Yep. I'm really excited to see how he looks. Um, then a, a name that I know who's you, one of your guys, your personal favorites is uh, Jaleel Billingsley. And he's been in the news for some of the wrong reasons, unfortunately. Uh, <laughs> Nick Saban is saying, you know, he has to figure out how to be a young, responsible man. And that how he does it is up to him. Just really just kind of saying, yo, like, you know, get your crap together or you're not going to play uh, essentially. So, and I know, I know me and you both think this kid is, has all the talent of the world um, as a really athletic receiving tight end. So you really hope he can get his head on straight so you can really make an impact for the Crimson Tide this year because they need him. Like point yeah. blank, they absolutely need him. Like this ain't one of those years where Alabama yeah. is abundant of riches at the skill players. Like they need a proven playmaker. So uh, I'll be I'll be curious to see how much playing time and how much um, work he gets on Saturday. And we would be remiss if we didn't mention De'Aaron King as well. Yeah, you yeah. Know, this yeah. is a big gift for him coming off of the torn ACL um, in the, in the season finale last year. So I think a lot of eyes are going to be on him just to see how he responds to a really good defense. I think. Just like any other year, I think the rock of the Alabama team is definitely going to be the defense this year. I don't think they're going to be as explosive as they have been over the past two years with Tua and Mac Jones just because they have a lot of questions to answer, a lot of youth, new quarterback, new weapons on the perimeter, John Mechie the third, Jamison Williams, Jaleel Billingsley. We'll see if he ends up even getting in the game um, with him being third on the depth chart and then being in Saban's doghouse. But there's just so many questions along the Alabama offense. So that definitely is something that we will be looking. So game pick, who you got? Man, it's Alabama. I I got Alabama. I I think I got Alabama. Not big. I'm not going to disrespect Eric King. I I, I think he'll be able to do some stuff, actually. I got Alabama. I think Bryce Young's in I got Alabama in a high-scoring game called 41-35. You think they're going to put 35 on Alabama? Yeah, man. I, I have some questions about Alabama's defense, man. I, I really do. Really? Like, we'll see. I mean, they lose Sertan. Like, we'll, uh, we'll have to see about Alabama's defense this year. But um, and, and, I, and I think the Hurricanes have a chance to be pretty explosive. You know, I, I think they were really, really strong to start the year last year. It kind of tickled off a bit. But I like them to like, kind of get things back on track offensively. Yeah, I think Alabama's going to cruise, man. I think they're going to win. I'll say uh I'll say 35 to 10. Uh I just don't this front seven is really really good, man. So they have a sophomore that's a stud. His name is Will Anderson. He's number 31. Oh no, he's we'll, we'll I think I texted you. I texted you. I texted you in the fall and yeah. I remember I remember I texted you in the fall. I was like, "Yo, 31. Like what? Yeah. The heck is this dude? He's a Yeah, dude. he's a monster. Yeah. Yes. So we both pick Alabama there. Let's go ahead and move on to our next game, which is the big game of the night. 
Clemson and Georgia. This is the game that everybody is looking forward to seeing. It is in Charlotte, North Carolina, in the Carolina Panthers Stadium. So really looking forward to this, considered a neutral site game, even though it's only about 15 or 20 minutes away from Clemson. So I don't really count this as a neutral site game, honestly. I think uh, even though there's an allotment of tickets for each team, I think there's going to be a lot of purple and orange in the stadium. But I'm really, really intrigued by this game just because we know Georgia wasn't really at full strength last year at quarterback. JT Daniels really settled into his own down the back stretch of last year. Clemson, they have a new man under center, even though he started two games last year. DJ Uwe Ungalele, a lot of people are excited about seeing him in a full-time role this year. But my eyes are going to be in the secondary for both teams. And the first one is Darion Kendrick for me. I'm excited to see him going against a lot of his old friends. You know, he's going to be really motivated to play against the team that he was on last year. And the big thing about Kendrick is that it's just off the field questions with him. We know he has the talent. He was seen as a top 50 pick coming into the year last year. He was in some first round of mock drafts coming into last year. So he did struggle a little bit as far as the college football playoff. I thought he did struggle in some games down the back stretch of last year, but talent is not the question for him. It's just the off the field stuff with them. So I'm looking forward to seeing him against Justin Ross and then some of those Frank Lats and some of these other explosive weapons that Clemson does have. And then the other one, you know, my guy is Andrew Booth Jr. Him now <laughs> being in starting role. The big thing with him is that it's just a small sample size. So here we go. If he's able to put on display a full body of work in those 400 snaps that we saw over his career, I think we're talking about a player that can easily be a top 15 pick. So Darion Kendrick, Andrew Booth Jr., those will be the two players I have my eye on in the Clemson and Georgia matchup. What about you? Yeah, I got a couple. Um, Tyler Davis, the defense tackle from Clemson, yeah. I think. I think he has a player with he's a player with a lot of upside. Um, I, I had the pleasure of doing him for our summer scouting, and he was a five star recruit out of high school. Started as a true freshman at Clemson, led all freshmen for sacks within from interior defensive line. Um, so he was just a man amongst boys. Uh, as a freshman, so really, really strong freshman year, but a meniscus injury really uh, has made his sophomore season not as great. He started up the year slow, missed, I think, five games to start out the year. Um, really just wasn't as, wasn't as explosive or productive. So I'm looking for him to have a bounce back season because if he does in this sort of really weak interior defensive line class, he can shoot up the boards in my opinion. So I'll be watching him for sure. Um, when I'm watching Clemson's defense. And then also um, on for Clemson, on the offense side of the ball is Braden Galloway, the tight end. Uh, he's a guy who, who he has some size, athleticism. He's, he's a former basketball player. Um, I studied him this summer, too. I came away pretty impressed. I gave him a fourth-round grade. And so, um, you know, DJU, he, he's, he's going to be slinging the ball. I, I look I look to get, uh, get Braden Galloway. Um, some work early. I, I like his skill set. And then Georgia, man. Georgia has some guys. Adam Anderson, I know you'll probably talk about here in a sec, but yeah. expl- explosive edge rusher has a, has a chance to take a huge leap this season. And then Jordan Davis, who was a guy who you know really surprised people coming back. I mean, he, he probably would have ended up being at minimum a third round pick last year. Um, yeah. And so you know he's a he's a huge guy, um, outstanding size, has some versatility. Could play nose or three tech. Um, has some really good length for 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 inside, and so 
Um, you know, the, the talent's well on display for Clemson and Georgia. Yeah, I mean, there's plenty of prospects to talk about. Whether <laughs> they're draft eligible or not draft eligible, Adam Anderson, I think that's a great one just because, I mean, he's been labeled as the biggest breakout star of any player mm-hmm. in the country just because he's been, you know, second or third string on the depth chart during his time. He's had some very talented players in front of him, but he's really just been a DPR, pass rush specialist during his time so far. So, we get to see him against the run, how well he plays against the run. We get to see him in some pass rush reps as well. We know Clemson's going to throw the ball around a little bit as well, considering how talented they are offensively. So I'm really excited to see him. Another one that I think is very, very underrated, Lewis Sign, the safety from Georgia. I'm mm-hmm. excited to see him. I think he's a terrific athlete. Ball production has been really good up until this point. So keep an eye on Lewis Sign. He's one that I'm really, really excited about. It's just a matter of him just putting it on tape more consistently, specifically as a run defender. So Sign and then also Adam Anderson. And then you mentioned Jordan Davis on that defense too. So really excited about seeing all those guys. But let's go ahead and get to our last game. And that is – Oh, we got we, we to pick this game. Oh, Man, I can't believe I forgot Because this, so, this is one of the ones I'm stressed about because yeah. <laughs> I'm not so well, sure Georgia doesn't win. I think the best player in the country is under center at Clemson. I think yeah. he's that special, man. It doesn't matter the class, freshman, sophomore, junior, or senior. I think DJ Uwe Ungalele is the best player in college football right now. I think that highly of him, six foot five, 250 pounds, you can run him. You can throw the ball. I mean, the way he stepped in and played against Notre Dame last year, and he didn't necessarily dominate the game, but you saw the flashes of traits with him. And I think he's going to be able to display that, and I think he adds such a different type of dimension to the game than what Trevor Lawrence did. And I think I wouldn't say Clemson did him a disservice as far as Lawrence with not using, using his legs more. But now I think Clemson is going to be able to get back to doing what they did with Taj Boyd and Deshaun Watson and incorporating the quarterback in the quarterback run game a little bit more. So I think there is going to be a, a, a really good game throughout. But I think Clemson is going to end up getting in victory. I got them. I'm going to go 31-24. I think Clemson's going to pull it out. Yeah, see, I think you might have sold me on Clemson. But – I know. Georgia, they have a lot of veteran players, man. They do. JT Daniels, he came on really strong at the end of the year. Like, yeah, he, had, he was balling at the end of the year. He had a really good yeah. five-star running back. Kendall Metton, who's one of the better players in the SEC. Got a talented defense with the veterans. Like, there's veterans at every level of that defense. <sighs> go with your heart, man. Yeah, man. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go with Clemson just because – I. I Kirby Smart, look, I, I I love Kirby Smart. He's funny, Kirby. You know, he's cool. I don't know if I love him in big games. And so yeah. I've seen Dabo in big games, season openers. Like, Dabo's not one to lose a season opener. He might lose, you know, to Boston College in week six, but he ain't going to lose a season opener against Georgia. So I'll go with Clemson. But I think it's going to be a really good game, like super good game. I'm excited to watch this game, and I'm definitely going to – order some wings and kick my feet Yeah, <laughs> watch this game for sure and write down some notes that I took away from the game. So let's go ahead and get to our last game, though, which is LSU and UCLA. A bit of a weird matchup to me just because 
these are two teams. I don't think they've ever played each other. LSU has never went out to Los Angeles to play UCLA. And I'm really excited about this game just because I think LSU, this is a little bit different for them flying out to the West Coast. We know the time difference and all those things. UCLA has already played a game. This will be LSU's first game of the year. And I always think the team that plays their first game before the team ever stepping foot on the field for their first game, I think that's always an advantage just because especially when you have a bunch of young players. But LSU, this is going to be really interesting. But the matchup that I have my eyes on is Sean Ryan who is an offensive tackle for UCLA that's getting a lot of love right now against Allie Gay, the defensive end from LSU. I think that's going to be a phenomenal matchup. I'm really looking forward to seeing both of those guys battle against each other throughout the game. And, you know, Derek Stingley Jr. is always going to be one person that we highlight in these types of games as well. So the matchup between Ryan and Gay will be the one that I have my eye on, and, of course, Stingley as well. So who are some players that you have your eye on in this one? Yeah, I mean, Sean Ryan, yeah, he has a challenge up with um, with Allie Gay. He, Allie Gay's a good player, his length, his power. And that's not something that Sean Ryan necessarily is best at handling. Um, he's more of your athletic, um, you know, kind of just, just wall off, more attack, kind of tackle rather than have a firm anchor. So I'm very curious to see how he looks. Um, a, couple, a couple other guys, obviously, Zach Char- uh, Charbonneau, Chabonat, um, UCLA running back, had a heck of an opening uh, opening weekend game against Hawaii last week. Be curious to see how he kind of if he can if he can duplicate that production against against the SEC opponent. Um, and then I, I like some of these UCLA receivers. Uh, Kyle Phillips is a guy I really like um, out of UCLA. Um, I'll be curious to see who, who they match up against if he goes against Elijah Ricks or Derek Stingley. And then really just DTR. I, I'm, I'm really yeah. – he didn't really look great against Hawaii. And he he I knows agree. it. He tweeted it. Um, so we'll see. You know, we'll see if he can bounce back and, and, and see if they, if they can get a win here because this, that would be huge for UCLA's program for sure. He's – and I know you're a Pac-12 guy. So I watched DTR last year and I watched him against Hawaii. Like, what's the reason for the inconsistencies? Like, what is it? <sighs> It's it's tough. It's just because it's he puts in the work, but it's just not natural, you know. And it's just like playing the quarterback position. It just there's so much things that go into it, and it's just not. And then Chip asked a lot of the quarterbacks. You know, the offense he's in, he's it's pretty complex, and, and yeah. you know, I don't know. I just I, I just think he has all the talent in the world, but for some reason, he just can't get it to click on a week-to-week basis. Yeah, and, you know, a lot of people were talking about him as a possible leap candidate or breakout type of player, but just the inconsistencies are so maddening with him, man. Like, he'll make a good throw, and then he'll come back, and, like, he'll stink next two or three series. And you saw it against Hawaii, just the inconsistencies with him. And, I mean, Charbonnet was outstanding in that game. I think he only played with one half and with six carries for over 100 yards. So he was phenomenal in that game. But I got LSU in this one, man. I just think it's different when the SEC goes against the Pac-12. I think the SEC ball, they just try to lean on those guys a little bit more out there with that offensive front. Um, I think LSU, they're not going to roll in this game, but I don't think it's going to be as close as what some people are saying. So I'll go LSU, um, I'll say 38, and I'll say UCLA 21. 
Yeah. Uh, I'm going to UCLA in the upset. I'm not going to lie. I really am. I think first and foremost, like you, people can say what they like about Chip. I think this is arguably the biggest coaching mismatch of the weekend in terms of on the field. Did you hear what Chip said? He said this well, he is said, Super Bowl. No, I mean, I, 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 I mean, it is, you know, I mean, because if, if UCLA beats LSU, it's like, yeah, they're like that, that, that's a 10-year extension if he beats LSU. Exactly. And um, I, mean, I just think from a scheming standpoint, Chip is going to do laps around uh, Edo this weekend. I think it could be, could get, could get embarrassing. And now I think talent-wise, LSU should win. Like, I'm not denying that. Um you know, they have more NFL guys. They have the bigger, faster, stronger dudes. But I think I think UCLA is going to out-scheme the heck out of LSU. Um, I like UCLA in the upset. And, yeah, I, I, I like this pretty comfortably, honestly. It's going to be a fun one to watch for sure. But that is our show. And this show is presented by Bet Online. Make sure to go over to Bet Online to check out everything that they have going on there. But that is our show for the week and we will be back on monday show talking about the recaps of every game and then talking about how good or bad some of our picks were we'll give out game balls from the weekend some players that we thought stood out the most so for jordan reed brentley wiseman this is the read option podcast presented this show is presented by bet online make sure to leave a five-star review also subscribe to the podcast we will be back the full crew will be back on monday Dre Harris will once again join us as well. Thank you guys for listening. Make sure to subscribe, leave a five-star review. We will be back on Monday. Make sure to enjoy the college football games this weekend. There is plenty. I did want to add one more. Florida A&M versus Jackson State. Shador Sanders, the son of Deion Sanders, makes his debut on Sunday as well. Make sure to check that game out. That's going to be one of the better FCS matchups of the week. So make sure to check that out. I did want to throw that in there. Make sure to check out Brentley's mock draft as well, which did just release on the draftnetwork.com on Monday. So be sure to go back and recap all of that. We do have wonderful videos on YouTube as well, where he's breaking down all of the picks. Dre Harris also released his mock draft last week as well. So be sure to check all of that out on the YouTube channel, the draftnetwork.com as well. So we are the read option podcast. Thank you guys for listening and we will see you on Monday. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.